0: This man is a little bit of a hero of mine. His name was Gideon Mantell. He was a country doctor based in Lewis in Sussex, whose passion from a very early age was fossils. Now, Mantell lived at a similar time to to Buckland and Owen in the early 1800s. He was uh, developing his passion for paleontology as an amateur. Uh, But he was a a country doctor. He didn't have the luxury of dedicating his life to science like Buckland and Owen did. Um, And he spent every spare moment he had out on the South Downs looking for fossils. But he also studied fossils um, that were sent to him uh, from various places around the south of England. And one day, he received a box of fossils from a village not far from Lewis, called Cookfield. And uh, they came from a quarry in Cookfield at Whiteman's Green. And that just happens to be the place where I was born and grew up in. So you can see that this part of the story has a very special place in my heart. Now, when Mantel first received these bones, uh, no one had yet deduced what they really were. Buckland didn't know. Owen er- came on the scene much uh, a few years later in the story. And uh, Mantell was really puzzled by these bones. Now, very intrigued, he began to make regular trips to the quarry at Cookfield. And on one of those visits, perhaps in 1821 or 1822, we're not entirely sure, he found a fossilised tooth. And it was this fossilised tooth um, that really led him to make the first uh, conceptual leap, if you like, that these bones that he, we were, he was finding and, and these fossilised teeth that went with them were could be nothing else apart from a giant extinct reptile from the past. Now, uh, that was a huge, as I say, a sort of conceptual leap. And it took him some time to really persuade others that his, his idea had any merit. And remember that he was just a country doctor. He wasn't an established academic of the day. And sadly, it took Mantell several years to, to persuade the academics of his time that he was correct. Now, Buckland was well aware of Mantell's work, and picked him to the post with his description of Megalosaurus and actually published his account of Megalosaurus just one year um, in 1820. Oh my God, I haven't got the dates here. And from memory, I'm saying, uh, Buckland published in 1824 and Mantell published in 1825. But really, depending on your interpretation of history at this time, it was Mantell who had made that original suggestion that there were these ancient reptiles that were now extinct that had lived in the distant past. So, if you haven't heard of Gideon Mantell, remember his name before you remember Buckland or Owen. Would be would be my message to you, um, because. I mentioned that Owen coined his, te- coined his phrase and d- invented the dinosaurs based on three extinct reptiles from the past. We had Buckland's Megalosaurus, then Mantell's dinosaur that he found in Cookfield he called Iguanodon. And actually, I've just forgotten that I brought this along. This, although you won't be able to see it very closely from where you are, you can come and look at it later. This is the kind of thing that Mantell would have been sent from that quarry at Cookfield, because this is a fragment of an iguanodon bone set still in a piece of sandstone that comes from Cookfield. And this is, well, it's the prized possession of my mother, which I'm hoping to kind of acquire. (laughs) Um, It belonged to an elderly gentleman that lived in Cookfield. And... um, a lovely man called Cyril Pike who gave it to my mother and I can remember borrowing it from Cyril and taking it to school when I was a little girl because I thought it was just completely normal really to have dinosaur bones found on your doorstep. Now I realise that it was actually something quite special but this is something that Gideon Mantell could easily have been sent, something similar to this and, and puzzled over and come up with his amazing theory. So, he, he discovered Iguanodon, Buckland Megalosaurus, and the third dinosaur was called Hyliosaurus, which was also a Mantell discovery um, from Cookfield. And it was those three dinosaurs that are the original one from Oxfordshire, two from Sussex. Now, uh, at Cookfield, there's very little there left of the quarry. It's actually just a, a football pitch these days with a little kind of uh, copse of, of trees with some rocks still poking out. But my nephew plays uh, football there most weekends. <laughs> so, but there is, there is, if you ever a passing through Cookfield, there is a commemorative uh, monument there now since 2000 to celebrate Gideon Mantell because before that he was really lost to science. He wasn't really celebrated like um, Buckland and Owen were so I like to big him up in any story of the discovery of the dinosaurs. So you might be forgiven for thinking for all this talk of stuff going on back in the early 19th century that uh, finding dinosaurs in Britain is a thing of the past. And that these days we are more likely to hear of new discoveries of dinosaurs, perhaps in China or, or, or South America. But in fact, parts of Britain are still world-class destinations for finding dinosaur. And one place in particular uh, is the Isle of Wight. And it's so rich in dinosaur fossils of many different species that it's been nicknamed Dinosaur Island. Now, the rocks that make up... Um, the Isle of Wight date from the Cretaceous period that's around uh, about 100 million years ago that's a similar age to the rocks that you get from Cookfield and at this time many different species of um, dinosaur lived in that area that has later become the Isle of Wight and today dinosaur fossils literally fall out of the crumbling cliffs, mainly along the southwest coast of the island. And it was here just uh, about 18 months ago now that an amateur fossil enthusiast called Martin Simpson uh, made an exciting discovery of a new iguanodon specimen. So this is a very similar dinosaur to the one that Mantell named from his fossils from Cookfield. But Martin has found this new specimen in, in a cliff in the Isle of Wight. And whenever he can, Martin visits the site to excavate a few more of of the iguanodon bones. And the second clip I'm going to show you from the series is my chance to join Martin um, on a very sunny day last February to see what it's like to actually uh, collect dinosaur bones in the field. My interest in rocks and fossils has taken me all over the world, but I've never had the chance to take part in excavation of a dinosaur, especially not in such an incredible setting. Woo. Martin Simpson, an amateur enthusiast, is in charge of the dig. Now, I might just pause it there because um, I've shown this clip before and a very logical question that somebody in the audience asked me was how given that kind of cliff did Martin ever come across the site that now we're digging you know how how did he 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 goes out most days in all weathers looking for, for dinosaur bones on the island but how could he possibly ever have spotted this specimen well the way he does it is to walk along the beach at the bottom of this cliff section, and if you find a piece of bone down on the beach, you know that it 's come from somewhere above you, and then you walk up that section of cliff um, and hopefully you can identify what layer it comes from if you have a good understanding of the geology of of this particular section of coastline the the question the questioner also said, does he always use ropes and I have to say that um, We were very safety conscious on the shoot and and, and used ropes. As you can see, it was pretty dangerous to be taking cameras and stuff down onto this site. But also this 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 cliff changes almost week by week. You can get extra landslips going on. So it's a very challenging environment, but one that Martin knows very well. So he was able to to find the specimen. Watch out below. There's a lot of debris. Not far off. This is extreme (laughs) palaeontology. Woo! So this is it. This is the site. This is the site, site, Yep. What an incredible site, halfway up this cliff.
1: The bones are in about a four foot depth. And it's going into the cliff sort of northwest, head first that way. So what we've got to do is get all the scree, all the stuff that's slipped off it back to fresh rock, which is what I'm doing here.
0: So what can I do to help?
1: Well, if you want to carry on, there's actually, if you like, we come across this bone here, it looks like a rib. It's got a sort of...
0: (gasps) Oh, my goodness, just sticking out the cliff. Yeah. Can you see that? That is a dinosaur bone, just
1: poking out. We're lucky today because it's still quite wet. As it's coming out, it's wet, so it's probably okay to put a knife in. If you want to use the hammer and chisel, feel free.
0: Any moment there could be another bone. I just. <laughs> but right, you've got to be patient. Oh, I'm sure there's something in here. Ah! I am like a woman possessed now. <laughs> At any moment, there could just be another bone sticking out. You've got to be so delicate, but I think it's coming out. It's loose. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. Okay. The surface—it's so That's beautiful. Isn't it it's, it it's is. Got it's immaculate. A
1: beautiful pattern on it.
0: Look, it is just like a modern-day bone. So, what do you think we're looking at here?
1: It's, um, it's splitting at the end. And what I think that is, it's the bone that goes under the vertebrae. Underneath each vertebrae, there's this little little piece that comes up and it it branches off at the top. But that's good, we haven't got many of those. I've
0: just excavated my first piece of dinosaur. It's astonishing to see this. So much effort goes into even the smallest finds. But it's from such tiny fragments of bone that you can begin to piece together an idea of this magnificent creature. Okay, so yeah, the only bone that we did manage to find was that little fragment that Martin had already sort of seen sticking out. But um, we were there for about two hours and literally I did not want to leave hacking away at that cliff face. It really is a compelling task, but um, if you imagine that that's just one fragment of a, a creature that would have been six to seven metres long. Um, it's, um, he's got his work cut out <laughs> for him. <laughs> um, he hopes to actually excavate the rest of that dinosaur uh, probably in the next six, to, to six months to a year. And then there is a, a little museum down in the Isle of Wight called Dinosaur Farm, which he'll be putting it on display. But it's just one of... of maybe up to 200 different dinosaur skeletons, Peter will collect me if I'm wrong, that have been collected from the, the island. It really is one of the best places that you can go if you're interested in finding your own dinosaur. And I think the, thing, the reason why I wanted to kind of include a couple of clips about dinosaurs is because they really, I think, uh, capture the imagination of y- young and old and that dates back right from when they were first discovered in, in Victorian times. You might have picked up a reference there to Charles Dickens on the first clip. At the, even when dinosaurs were first discovered around about the time of Dickens, they, they were big news. And he put Megalosaurus, that first one discovered, into the first paragraph of his book, Bleak House. And I think ever, ever since, I'm sure all of us in the audience have at some point been, been struck by... There's something about dinosaurs, the biggest creatures that have ever walked upon the earth, that there's something terribly fascinating about them.